All right, well, how's everybody doing today? Doing good? It's been pretty fun so far, right? I feel like this, today's just kind of had like this new energy, with all these kids running around and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's been really fun. I got a question for you. Um, so who in here can remember when you were a little kid and did you have a toy that you just like loved so much you never left it? Raise your hand. Raise your hand really high. Come on, let me know. Do you love? Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I just want some crowd participation. I just want you to shout it out. What was that thing? What, tell me what the toy was. Cabbage Patch Doll. Okay, what else? Slinky. Oh, that's classic. That's good stuff. All right, what else? What? A Jeep? Oh, I don't know what that is. I'm not going to lie. All right, what else? Okay. A teddy bear. Perfect. What else? Two, two more. I need two more. Hot Wheels. I, that does not surprise me, Cray. Uh, what else? One, care, bear, care Bears and a skateboard and garbage pail kids. Oh, yeah. Well, so let me ask you, do you ha- still have any of those things? If you do, raise your hand. That is awesome. We actually have several of you. All right, let me, let me be honest. I don't have any of my things that I, that I used to have when I was a kid. But I can remember one, the, the thing I was most excited about. I had to- toys kind of cycle in and out, you know. But I remember the first thing I was just so psyched about, like I didn't really get a lot of stuff. Uh, most of the kids that I was around, um, I felt like they, they got more stuff than I did, which wasn't a big deal um, until, I, uh, until when I was in middle school and the N64 came out. The Nintendo 64 came out and I was just really wanted a Nintendo 64. It was really, really bad. And um, so, but I, my parents weren't just going to give it to me, right? It's just, it just didn't work like that. And so, uh, so I worked for it. I like raked uh, leaves, did yard work, um, all this stuff just to find $120 so I could buy an N64. And I finally did after it probably took me like a year to, to save that up. And I finally did it. Bought it, and it. I learned a, lot, a hard lesson about what it means to work hard, what the value of a dollar is. And I appreciate it. And I bought it. And then I played that thing for years, but then what happens after that? The Xbox came out, right? And I was like, dude, the N64 is like nothing. The N- this, is, this game's weak sauce compared to the Xbox. And I was like, I got to have an Xbox. I just need it, you know? Like I was just, so, so I got another way of making money. And I, so I think I was like 13 or 14 years old. And um, the only job I could find was there was, we had this motocross track out, uh, I grew up in Susanville, so it was out in the desert. So there was this motocross track and I, they found just anybody, anybody willing to, uh, so my job was to sit on this rock and as the motocross guys went by, um, I would watch them and I had a flag and if someone wiped out, I would go and wave the flag so everyone knew there was a guy right there not to run him over. And so that was my job for like 10 hours or eight hours. I, I just sat there, and if someone cracked, it was the boringest job in the world. You think like, oh, that's cool. It's like, it got old really, really fast. And, um, and so I realized I, I was like so psyched because I made like 25 bucks a day. And I was really psyched about that. But then looking back, I was like making like three bucks an hour. <laughs> it was not, not that great. But I saved up like every, every other weekend or so. I'd be working that. So I'm at 50 bucks in a weekend. So after a couple months or maybe longer, I finally saved up to buy an Xbox. Xbox was at least $200, not like the N64. It was like, man, they're just really working this market here to make a lot of money off of us. But I finally bought the Xbox, and I was so psyched. Got a few years of that, and then what happened after that? 
It got born again. I don't know what happened to my Xbox or my N64. I don't have either of them because they both kind of like lost interest. And so here's what I want to, I shared that story because it's how I viewed my possessions. I was honestly obsessed with them. I'm, I'm willing, I'm not too prideful to admit that today. I was way too obsessed with them. My mom would be like prying me off of these things. Like, hey, why are you spending so much time on this? Because I worked so hard for it and I was so excited about it and I was like, obsessed with this. Now here's what I want to talk about today is about your possessions becoming your identity as well. Because when possessions become our priority, they also become our identity. See, it's okay to have stuff. You can have stuff. It's not, that's not what we're saying. Like you can own things. But when possessions become our priority, then they also turn into our identity. So I feel like this message is so important for us today because we live in a culture that is constantly, even when I was in middle school, it's constantly like, hey, get the newest thing. Get the newest thing. If you don't have the newest iPhone, man, you're like, who are you? What, what is that? Like, you don't have a new phone? You got like a, a phone that's four years old? Why would you do that? You know, like there's this weird mindset. And so I believe it's so important because culture, the people around us are constantly pulling, pulling for our attention. And where our attention goes, so we will attach our things to possessions and that will become a priority. And when possessions become a priority, they also become our identity. This is a big, big deal. And, and here's the overall the mindset. I want to look at the dichotomy of these two mindsets. Because the, the worldly mindset, the worldly mindset is getting equals fulfillment. If I get stuff, I'm going to be happy, right? Stuff equals happiness. Stuff equals content. Stuff equals fulfillment. But the biblical mindset, you look all throughout Scripture, and not getting, but giving equals fulfillment. When you give, you are more fulfilled. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so, and it's classic Jesus. He flips it. Everyone thinks it's this, but Jesus says, no, it's, you got it totally wrong. It's the opposite. Actually, giving is what you'll see fulfills you. And, and it's a, but, but we're, so many of us believe the lie that getting equals fulfillment. Someone I met recently um, told me about this study that was done, this survey that was done with 100 different millionaires. Some of them had $5 million, some had $500 million. They were all, you know, qualified as millionaires. And they interviewed them about their overall happiness, their contentment in life. And one of the interesting things that they, they found, that, the, that, that almost all of them, 90-something percent of them, said that on the question about, like, how happy are you? You know, I ask a millionaire, how happy are you? All of them said they would be content with 20% more. They have millions of dollars, and they need, like, more millions. And you're like, wait, what? Why, do you have to, why would you need more, more than $500 million, right? But it's this lie that you keep on believing, and it's a never-ending cycle where we get... And then all, ultimately that leads to just wanting more. We get and we want more. But Jesus flips it and he says, look, you give and you'll be fulfilled. If you have a mindset of generosity, you will be fulfilled. If you have a mindset of giving, open, living open-handedly and generously, you will be fulfilled. So basically I want to just look at this scripture that uh, Jesus shares in Matthew chapter 6 and really just challenge us because this is so hard for us, a lot of us, to grasp because we've grown up in it. Like I was just saying, like, from a young age, I was like, I want this stuff. 
You know, my daughter already, hey, I want this. Like, we go, go to Target, and, like, you try to, like, avoid the, to- the toy section, but she, like, just, like, bolts there. You got to, like, strap her down into the cart so she doesn't, you know, grab, you know, run off to grab stuff. But, like, so at such a young age, we're constantly thinking stuff equals fulfillment. More stuff, then I'm going to be happy. But, but I think we can all agree that's a lie. If, we're really, if we really think about it that bluntly and, that, and when it's put into this perspective, getting stuff doesn't get fulfillment. Some of, that, some of the wealthiest people, so the people who have the most stuff are often the most empty inside. They're often the most unfulfilled. And the happiest, most content people are those with not much stuff but have a generous mindset. And so I want us to just challenge us with this scripture, and I believe some of us really are going to be set free from this. You know, maybe, maybe it's been ingrained into our mind for this long, but I believe some of us really need to grab a hold of this because it's been challenging me all week and, um, and the last two weeks as I've been preparing for this, and I believe that we all are on some level have, have believed this lie that getting stuff equals fulfillment. And so I'm going to just look at what Jesus said because um, in Matthew chapter 6, this is part of this famous uh, teaching called the Sermon on the Mount. He gathered his disciples, and he just shares this, these amazing, this amazing teaching. And a, a lot of the theme of it is cutting down to the heart of the issue. And so I want to I show this. It's, it's flipping it from believing that getting equals fulfillment to giving is fulfillment. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 19, you can follow along on the screen or version Bible app, or if you've got your Bible here. Um, so it's in, starting in verse 19. Jesus says this to the disciples. He's got a crowd, a sermon on the mount. You can picture Jesus standing on the mount with his disciples kind of just sitting around and others hearing what he was saying. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Say that with me. You cannot serve God and money. We're going to come back to that. It's really important. And then we're going to jump to verse 33. This is one of my favorite verses in the entirety of Scripture. I remember writing it down on a sticky note and put, putting it on the front of the dashboard of my 1995 Isuzu Rodeo. And, and it was just there for so long. And it stuck with me. And it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. I just want to pray because um, I realize whenever I get up here, it's, it's got to be God. Like, I'm not, I'm not gifted enough to actually communicate something that will connect with you. It has to be God working through this. Otherwise, this is not going to work. So I want to let you know that every time I speak, I completely say, God, this is all up to you, and I'm trusting. I'm going to do my best. I put in the preparation, but my goal is not to, to come up here and get applause. My goal is just to come up here and share God's word in a way that will bring you closer to Jesus. So I want to just pray that that would happen today from God's word. Jesus, speak to us today. Speak to me today, God. 
from your word, I pray that you would open our hearts and that we would see something that we didn't see before, that we would leave with a different perspective and more encouraged to live for you and closer to you when we leave this place, Jesus. We love you, God. We praise you for you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to share three quick things, actually, um, on just how do we change our priorities. Because today, this message is uh, the final message in this identity theft series. And the idea behind it is taking back the you that's been taken from you. This is one of our longest series we've ever done. It's six weeks long. This is the final week. And it's the idea of take that culture has stolen our identity often because we've believed lies. We talked about how we've, uh, our identity has been stolen because we've had this right to be offended. And because of this offense, we've, that, that's been attached to our identity. We've talked about laying down our need for approval, our longing for others' approval, and how we've attached our identity based on what others think of us. And, man, it's just been a so, such a powerful series and uh, today we're concluding it, but next week, I really want to encourage you, it's going to be so powerful as we talk about this series called Change, and it's all about changing what we see, and the series is going to lead all the way up to Hope Week, which is where we're just going to change the way we, where we see about generosity and leaving open-handedly, and we're just going to serve the community. Two months ago, we did Hope Sunday, which was this amazing event where we just served the community on one day, but we're multiplying that by seven, and we're doing seven days of serving the community it's going to be amazing. That's at the end of November, right after Thanksgiving. But um, so I don't want. I want to encourage you to be a part of this next series. Um, but it also ties in to changing our perspective on how we see possessions, and so changing our perspective, but then ultimately changing our priorities. Today's message is laying down our priority for possessions. Like I said, we can have stuff. Like I'm not saying like just go and like take a picture of your house and say, hey, it's on Craig, put up for Craigslist, come and, come and get it, we want to just, just take it all, like, where are you going to sleep? Like, you, need, you do need stuff to survive, but it's all about our priority. If we're putting anything above God, it's ultimately idolatry, and that's how, that's how serious it comes down to. Um, so I, what I want to challenge you with is three things that I see in this passage on how we can change our priorities. The number one thing is this, think about what will last. Think about what will last. What did, what did he say? He says, don't lay, lay up treasures for yourselves on tre- uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Because the things are going to pass away. You know, there's that old saying that you never see a hearse uh, carrying a U-Haul. Because you don't take, you know, this iPad. I'm not going to take this to heaven, right? I'm not going to take anything I own. I'm not going to take my, my uh, Honda Fit to heaven with me. I'm not going to fa- take anything I own with me. And so the, someone said that the biggest hindrance to having a generous mindset is that we believe that, hev- that, that earth is our home. And I love that. It challenged me because we say like, oh man, we're, we're living so close-fisted because we think that this is our home. We want to be, we attach ourselves to these possessions, but Jesus is saying, hey, these things aren't going to last. I don't know where my Xbox is. I don't know where my N64 is. Some of you guys still got your Cabbage Patch dolls and stuff. That's pretty cool. But you're not taking Cabbage Patch doll to heaven. I'm sorry to break it to you. Um, maybe there's some kids in here that are going to be crying right now. But I got to let them know the truth. You're not taking your stuff with you to heaven. And this is not your home. This earth is not your home. 
this place is just passing by. Our ultimately eternal, hev- eternal destination is heaven. We're going to be there with eternity. This is just such a small little grain of salt in a giant uh, field of sand compared to our time. Because this is just a small little sliver of time compared to eternity. And we're just passing through. So, so think about what will last. These things aren't going to last. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Favorite movie from the 80s. I, that's actually debatable, too. I'm not good at favorites. One of, one of my favorite movies from, uh, from the 80s is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You all seen that? It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing movie. But, uh, a bit, so the whole premise of it is this high school kid plans the best day to skip school. Stay in school, kids. Plans the best day to skip school. And, um, and just plans the, with his friends and his girlfriend and just makes the most amazing day ever. And he plans everything out and does it like almost perfectly. Except he, uh, so the, big, the best part is, he, especially if you're a car person, he borrows not just any car, his friend Cameron's dad's car. And it's not just any car. It is a 1961 Ferrari GT California. Less than 100 were made. Oh, yeah. Like, look at that. Like, that, that is, like, amazing, right? And so they, they borrow this car, and, um, and they drive it all around, and, like, makes it, makes it the day so much better. They're driving around Chicago, and they're, all, they're supposed to be in school, and they finally, but, but his dad doesn't know about it. And all we know about his dad, we never actually see Cameron's dad in the, in the movie at all. All we are told is, or all we're, we assume is that his dad is completely obsessed with this car, so it is like so bad that they're, that they're taking the car out um, and driving it around. But their plan is to, to, uh, to once that they're done, they drive in reverse to, to track back the miles so that he doesn't notice that the car was driven because he knows the miles on the car because he's obsessed with this. But it doesn't work, and then Cameron freaks out, and he starts beating the car, and then the car's in reverse, and it knocks, it's knocked off the stand, and it flies out this carport, uh, out off this cliff, and into this, and it's completely destroyed. And so it, it, it's the, kind of the climax of the movie. Everybody flips out. And uh, still, we're not see, we don't see what happens to Cameron's dad. But I, but I wonder, I wonder what Cameron's dad's life was like after his most prized possession was, was completely destroyed. Because he didn't realize that these things will not last. And if, so if you prioritize possessions, it becomes your identity. And this is all assumptions based on a movie. But then you will be left empty because those possessions are not going to last. The, Jesus said that where moths and, uh, and what did he say? He said where moth and rust destroy. And so a big, big form of currency was actually clothing. And moths will eat clothing. And so in that time, he was speaking to the culture. And he's saying like, hey, your things are going to fade away. Your iPhone is going to, you're going to need to get a new one and it's going to, you know, they want to cycle it out and you're just going to get something else. It's going to be replaced by something else. And he's saying like, look, these things don't matter. What matters is heavenly treasure. And so here's what he says. What, what does that mean? Treasure, store up treasures in heaven. I, I was always very confused by this, but I feel like it's this. Um, and John Piper said this about, about uh, storing up treasures in heaven. Like, what does that mean? If storing up treasures on earth means accumulating, Storing up treasures on earth is just, hey, get, get me stuff, I want stuff, bigger bank account, more, more, more stuff in my garage, bigger garage, and just more stuff. If it means accumulating. Then the opposite of that, treasures on heaven, 
means giving. That same thing we said, the world mindset is getting equals fulfillment, but biblical mindset is giving equals fulfillment. And I believe that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's the exact opposite. He's saying when you give, when you live open-handedly, and I'm not just talking about giving to church. This isn't, that's not the message I'm giving, but it's a mindset of being generous with your life, being generous with your possessions and generous with your money. Jesus is saying that possessions don't last. Treasures on earth don't last. And I'm, uh, Randy Alcorn said this, I'm convinced that the greatest deterrent to giving is, is this, the illusion that earth is our home. Second thing I want to encourage you with is to think about where your heart is. In verse 21 and 24, Jesus was talking about where your treasure, there your heart will be also. And he talks about your eyes. Man, I was so focused, my eyes were set on getting an N64, and then they were set on getting an Xbox, right? And I found that that's where my heart was. That's where I was always set on that. And Jesus is saying something important here, saying that if you have your heart on possession, you can't also have your heart on Jesus. Like the definition of priority means that they're not equal. One needs to be above the other. And I said this earlier when we repeated, you cannot serve God and muddy. That, that's like the most challenging statement in there. He's saying you got to pick one. One needs to be above the other. One needs to be above the other in the priority list. And you probably already know which order it should be. Your priority above everything else in your life, above your job, even above your family, is your devotion to God. See, I, I have this list of priorities that I have, and it's number one to God, my own personal life. If I'm not able to lead, if I'm not a, a, living, a, a, living this out, I'm definitely far from perfect, very far from perfect. But my, my own devotion to God isn't, on, isn't right. I have absolutely no right to get up in front of you and, and share with you on Scripture. And so that's my number one priority. My number two priority is towards my family, to my wife and to my kids. And, and that comes before church ministry, that comes before work, and, and that's, that's the second priority. And then after that, it's, it's ministry. It's serving, serving the church and serving others. But it's an important priority to have is above money, possessions, is your devotion to God. Because you cannot serve both. Because that may be an assumption. It's like, okay, yeah, I can, like, yeah, treasures in heaven, treasures on earth. And a lot of people's mindsets would be, hey, why not do both? Like, let's just throw them both in there. But he's saying you cannot serve both. You need, to, you need to choose who you will be serving. Following Jesus, serving Jesus doesn't mean we just pray a prayer on a Sunday morning. I think this is kind of a, a mindset a lot of us have. And we just throw Jesus into the mix of our lives. And we say, yeah, we're good. We got Jesus. And nothing in our life changes. But really following Jesus, the cost of salvation is free. But they say the, the cost of discipleship will cost you your life. You, you lay down your life for Jesus. Your whole life changes when you start to follow Jesus. It's not just something we throw Jesus into the mix and say, yay, I'm a Christian now. But your life should genuinely look different when you start to follow Jesus. I'm not saying it needs to, to snap like this and your whole life changes because God will work on you in a process. And, and often that, that's how it works. He's working on us in a process. But... You cannot serve both God and money. What we see and focus on is directly connected to our heart. You see how Jesus was saying that? He said, he said look, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body, and then if, the, if there's light, if there's, um, it, then it'll be good. If there's darkness, how great is that darkness? And no one can serve two masters. So what we see, and I, I thought about this, 
what we see, what we focus on, or what we prioritize will ultimately be what we worship. Uh, Louis Giglio said this, and I believe we have a slide for it. Simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your loyalty. At the end of that trail, you'll find a throne, and whatever or whomever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. Priority. And then on that throne is what you worship. It's idolatry. If that's anything else on that throne, what we value most, if anything on that throne is not God, that's idolatry. It's putting anything else above God. And that having anything else on, on the throne that we worship will leave us empty because no one can fulfill us like God can. No one can, no one can do what God can. He's the only one that should be on the throne, and it's, and it's for a, a reason. So how can you tell what, which one you're serving? It's simple. Which one are you prioritizing in your life? Which, what do you hold the highest value? If it's possessions, I'm going to challenge you, stepping on some toes a little bit today and saying, hey, what are you prioritizing? What's, what, what's coming first in your life? Last thing is this, is think about who the provider is. I share that verse, verse 33, jump in a few verses, and it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I believe the number one, or one of the number one top stressors is, I, there's probably a study out there somewhere that you could, that you could uh, back this, um, but the number one stressor, I would guess, is surrounded around money. Like always, we're always stressed about money. Like, where, you know, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? And, um, and I believe it's this. The reason why is we don't have full trust in Jesus. We don't have full trust that all these things will be added to us. We don't have a full trust that if we seek God and his kingdom and his righteousness, that, that all these things will be added to us. And I want to share with you a recent experience that this, this was so real in my life, um, in me and, me and my wife's. Um, it was about 18 months ago. It was February of 2016. And I remember it was a Sunday night, and we were looking at our budget because we moved to West Sac just a few months before that, planted the church here just about four months before that. And I remember sitting down with my wife and just looking at our budget, and things were just really, really tight. And we were, we were asking this question of how are we going to pay the bills? Like we were cutting everything we could, and we prayed and we said, like, no, we're not going to cut our giving because we just don't feel like that's what God's called us to do. We feel like he's mandated this principle of generosity. And it was a very hard decision to make. But I remember just sitting there and we just said, we believe this first. I'm not doing this just to pat myself on the back, but I'm doing this to, pat, to, to bring glory to God. Because I kid you not, it was a Sunday night. It was a Sunday night and we just looked at it and we just kind of said, it's in God's hands. And this overwhelming sense of peace. Like, we, have you ever had that where it's like, I shouldn't be this calm. I should be freaking out right now. But this overwhelming sense of peace came over us. And we're just like, I don't know how it's going to work out, but, but I just have peace. And, and I kid you not, the next day I got this phone call from this company I was, I was connected with. And they asked me if I was interested in this recruiting position. And I had no details of what it was, but I just... I. I never turned down like an opportunity. I was like, hey, I just, we just prayed about this. So I said, yeah, I'm interested. And then I found out more about what it was. And it was, I cannot describe something that better fits what we need because it is incredibly flexible 
incredibly flexible for me to work from home so I can still focus on church ministry and take care of our family, but it is incredibly efficient and, and uh, allows me to do what I'm called to do most, but provides for our family. And I, it was just like that. I look, I was like, there's no other explanation besides God being the provider. And, and I want to tell you, if you feel like you're stressed out about money, and I know we are, I know what happens I still get that from time to time, but I have to come back to who is the provider. And he says, and the verses before that says, don't be anxious about anything because being anxious won't add a single day. Don't worry about anything. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm the provider. I'm the one that created the universe. Um, I'm the one that owns, the Bible says, talking about how, how much God has, he says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. And it's other words saying his supply is endless. There is no lack that God has. God has the overflow. And if that passage is true, what it really comes down to is trust. Do you really believe that God is who he says he is? Do you really believe that God is the provider? And if so, man, shift that priority. Shift that priority in your mind. Say, I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to focus on this because that's not going to help me at all. I'm not focused on these possessions. I'm not letting my identity be attached to these things. But I'm just going to trust in God. I'm just going to say, hey, if you say you're going to provide, I'm going to trust that you do that. And I can't tell you, I mean, I could tell you multiple stories of this and of how God has provided and how we've just decided, like, hey, I'm not going to stress about it. God's going to provide. We're not going to be ignorant. We're not going to be, we're not just going to be foolish with our, our, our finances. There's a lot of scripture that, that, that says that we should be, should be wise with that. And I believe God honors that, that when we say, look, I'm going to live open-handed. I'm going to live generously, and I'm going to be more about giving than I am getting. Because it's more of a blessing to give than it is to receive. And so I don't, I don't know if this is, is uh, hitting anybody you know, stepping on anybody's toes or if it's touching somebody today and just encouraging you to change your perspective. But that's what I've been praying for today is that simply we would change our perspective and we would say, God, you are number one in my life. I don't care what else comes, throws my way. I don't care about anything else in our life. I'm gonna trust that you are the provider. I'm gonna trust that you are who you say you are. And I'm just gonna trust that you're gonna take care of me no matter what. And I'm gonna live open-handedly because God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And love produces the mindset of giving. And that's, that's what Jesus modeled. He gave. He gave. So I, I just, I just want to pray for you. I don't know what God wants to do here today, but I believe he has some of you here for a reason. Some of you specifically for a reason. Everybody here is here for a reason, but some of you, this message was just for you. And otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have talked about this today because I believe that, that uh, this message was for somebody today to change our perspective. So would you just bow your heads and pray with me?